You're listening to the Metaphysical Mentor Podcast with Michael Philpott, providing you inspiration, information, knowledge, and motivation to help you on your soul's path. Covering topics related to health and happiness from the mystical to the metaphysical and everything in between. Making the unknown known. Now let's join the podcast to discover today's topic. So we are recording. Hello, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Metaphysical Mentor Podcast. I have an amazing guest uh, today, and we're going to be talking about one of my favorite subjects. I love the subject, past life regression and past life therapy. I think it's phenomenal. Joanne, how are you, my friend? I'm great. Thank you so much, Michael. It's good to be with you. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, this is uh, an amazing topic. And uh, I've never had past life regression, but I had a, a past life reading before. And it was so illuminating and so fascinating about that. So how did you get involved in past life regression therapy? Well, um, you know, I've always been interested in reincarnation since I was a teenager and um, then sort of forgot all about it until 1987 when Shirley MacLaine uh, out on the limb was made into a mini series and, uh, and showed for two nights on, on ABC in January. I'll never forget that because it was my big, and I think not only mine, but a lot of other sleeping metaphysicians woke up that night, right? Yeah. And um, and when she started talking about her past lives, I thought, oh yeah, I was really interested in that when I was a teenager. And it just, especially the past life part of it, just really um, just brought me back to the surface of, oh, I, I really want to do this now for a living. And um, so when I say for a living, I mean on a professional basis. <laughs> uh, and um, that same year, 1987, I joined Edgar Casey's uh, ARE, Association for Research and Enlightenment. And um, I formed, I, I became, I was living in Chicago at the time and I became involved with the um, Heartland region because at that point in time, the ARE was regionalizing. So they were putting, um, setting up regions in different parts of the country with the idea being that you wouldn't have to come all the way to Virginia Beach to go to a program. It would be basically in your backyard. So I became involved with the uh, ARE Heartland region. And in doing so, um, I met some really phenomenal speakers, some of whom were noted in the field of reincarnation studies. Uh, I became friends with them and, um, you know, we talked and told them my story and about my own suspicions about my own past lives. And I decided to start a research uh, organization for past life work and I called it Plexus. And so we had meetings every month and I brought in speakers. Uh, and in that way, I was widening my circle. At this point in time, I wasn't doing regression therapy at all. I saw myself as a writer. As a matter of fact, on my website, I identify myself as a reporter for the universe. I like <laughs> because that. That's, what, that's how I saw myself. I, I was a writer by profession, and I love doing research. So all, all I wanted to do was hear about everybody's experiences and then you know, write them down and then send it out to the world. And that was my job. But then Henry Leo Bolduc, who has since passed away, but he was really big with the ARE back in the um, late 80s, early 90s, um, said to me once, he said, Joanne, you know more about past life uh, work than 
90% of the therapists that are out there, why aren't you doing this work? I said, no, nah, I'm a reporter for the universe. I don't do this work. And, <laughs> and he badgered me and badgered me and badgered me. Finally, I said, okay, all right already, Henry. I'll. So I got my, um, my uh, hypnotherapy certification through the Eastern Institute of Hypnosis. And then many years later, uh, I got my master's in transpersonal studies and my spiritual mentor certification through Atlantic University, which is, as you know, maybe it's part of uh, ARE. Yeah. Uh, and so I have been doing this work now for over 30 years, and it has just been um, a real passion of mind and uh, um, one of the most humbling experiences I have ever had in terms of the impact that it has on other people. Yeah, I mean, it is so profoundly impactful. Like, it's amazing the work that can be accomplished during that. And uh, yeah, and I could definitely see the passion. Uh, definitely, I've seen so many of your interviews, and uh, I was just going, wow, like, this girl knows what she's talking about. And you can really <laughs> tell. And it's like, maybe she had a past life doing this in a past life. <laughs> Which is, I, you know, one of the things I wanted to talk about your own past life. But yeah, you know, I remember that Shirley MacLaine thing, because that's how I got introduced to past life. And we used to joke about it all the time. And, you know, one of the running jokes was, is like somebody was being an idiot. And we'd say, oh, why, why is this thing happening to me? And we would always say, because you're an asshole in a past life. That was our running joke around the house. And it was because of Shirley MacLaine. We were listening to, we saw the video, but also her book came out and everybody was like, you had two sides of it. You know, one people that, oh yeah, oh, this is awesome. I believe in this hundred percent. And then yeah. she's like, oh, she's a whack job. Like yeah. she's crazy. Yeah. She, she smoked way too much. Yeah, yeah. She took a lot of heat for that. I remember yeah. that. And uh, it almost like killed her career, but she seemed to bounce through it. And Well, she did such a service though, to so many people, Yeah, uh, you know, and I, I just admire her for that tremendously. Yeah. And, you know, uh, it's so interesting. I know you talked about uh, you know, on your um, on your website about the strength and the wisdom of of past lives and how important it is. So why would somebody come to see you for past life regression? What were some of the, some of some of the reasons maybe somebody would come to visit you? Uh, I will tell you, Michael, the uh, number one reason that I get from people is that they don't know why they're here. Yeah. Uh, you know, why? I don't know why I'm here. I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. I don't know what my soul's mission is. You know, so that's one thing. Some of them are just curious. They've read about it and, and, and they're just curious about it. Um, I have to watch that, though, because I don't do this for entertainment purposes. So, um, you know, I explain to them, this is really going to change your life. Um, because I, because, you know, we have the sum total of all the lives that we've lived and we are working on certain karmic issues in this life that we brought in with us from a previous life. And that many times is holding us back or causing us some grief. Uh, or on the flip side, you know, it could be a talent, skill or ability that we brought in with us that we're applying to our lives now. Um, so just really to know yourself on, to know your soul's journey from the, from the moment of creation until now um, is, is one of the, the main reasons for doing it. So I, when I do a regression with somebody, I always take them to the life that's most impacting them now because we've lived so many past lives that, uh, you know, it, it would be impossible to just pick one in a conscious state. So I asked the soul, you know, what are they working on? Where did this, where did this all start? Where is the origin of this issue? Some of them have relationship issues. Some of them have health issues. I did a whole research project around chronic health conditions to trace it 
to whether it was from a previous lifetime or not. Um, some of them, you know, financial issues, you know, there's all kinds of reasons uh, for them to come for a session, but they all leave a completely different person. Uh, even if even if they come in sort of skeptical, like, oh, I'm not sure about this. They don't feel that way when, when they finish the session, that's for sure. Yeah, I've heard so many amazing things about that type of therapy and how, you know, just from uh, from health issues. I know so many people go for certain health issues and how it can be alleviated or just brought to the surface because it's so amazing how everything gets stored in that subconscious mind. When you bring it to the subconscious mind, you have that awareness of what's going on. Then you go, oh, okay. That yeah. makes sense. Well, now it makes moment. sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That aha moment. And yeah. that in itself could be liberating in itself and healing. Very healing, very healing indeed. That's why I did that. You know, I heard uh, Dr. Norm Sheely at a medical intuition uh, conference at the ARE one year. And the first thing he said when he came out on, on the stage was uh, that he believes that all chronic conditions are, can be traced to a previous life. And I thought, whoa, this is a medical doctor making this statement. It got me so excited because uh, my goal always has been to try to mainstream past life regression work, uh, you know, uh, not to make it people think of it as woo woo or people think of it as something that's against their religious beliefs or whatever, you know, uh, predisposed belief they're they're into. Um, and so when a medical doctor makes a statement like that, just like when Dr. Brian Weiss came out with all of his work, I mean, that really lent a lot of credibility to this topic. And I think it opened it up to a lot more people than previously had, had been done. Yeah. Like, I mean, I remember his book too. Is it Many Lives, Many Masters? Many Masters, right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That's a fantastic book. Yeah. yeah. It's it's so profound how just having that. So when you're with your study and research, with chronic illness, how, once you get that awareness of the illness, let's say, obviously you abused the body in a past life, and this mm -hmm. is the condition that's showing up in this life. So by just understanding that this is the, the karmic lesson, or this is what's happening because of the body that you, you treated it badly in a past life, this is the result. How much just knowing that will start the healing process or does something sometimes spontaneously heal because the just understanding of what the disease is and where it came from? Exactly, exactly. I think out of the 50 people in my research project, over 30% had a spontaneous healing, which meant that really? the condition just disappeared after the regression, right? Wow. Yeah, and another 30-something percent um, had a shift in their perspective about it because sometimes just knowing what its origin is will give you a different perspective and that that perspective as you said can be a healing as well so i have case after case after case in which this happened um and it was it was just amazing to me when they were able to tie in what happened in that past life with what was going on in this life, it made perfect sense to them. And that released a lot of the, um, the, the whole reason for the karma in the first place. You know, once you, once you understood where it came from, you didn't need it anymore to remind you about it. And so many people were able to just release it. I had one woman who her husband called me and wanted her to be a part of my project. My project was finished at the time that he called me. He, she was a 71-year-old psychiatric nurse, uh, and she was having night terrors every night. 
and she thought that she had been in the Holocaust. And so um, I regressed her. She was not in the Holocaust. She was a good 10 years before that. But the conditions she was living in in England were similar to what she would have experienced had she been in the Holocaust. Wow. So she was, um, you know, she had no clothes. She was being abused sexually and physically, uh, no food. I mean, it was just a horrendous, horrendous lifetime. And when we uncovered that, and she knew it wasn't, oh, it's not from the Holocaust, it's from this life in Bristol, England that I had in the 1930s. Um, that was the last of her night terrors. Her husband called, I saw the two of them at the book launch. Uh, that book has all the data. It's um, Karma Can Be a Real Pain. That's the name of that book. When I had the book launch, the two of them came and he had tears in his eyes. And he just, he says, I just have to thank you. My wife has has not had a night terror since wow. recession with her. That's how powerful this is. Now, I'm, I don't want to mislead, you know, uh, your audience into thinking this happens all the time. It doesn't happen all the time, but it happens often enough to give it a lot of credence. So, um, so I have seen it, you know, time and time again, where, you know, they find out what the source was, we're able to do some healing work, forgiveness work, most of all, and then let it go. Yeah, I heard like forgiveness is like one of the big underlying topics for for so many because I from my understanding and again that's why I have you on here to kind of correct me if my knowledge is a little off, but <laughs> forgiveness um because we usually incarnate with or incarnate again with a lot of similar souls same and souls, right? a lot of same souls and we have to like certain patterns that we have to repeat or we have to kind of heal with these same people or same souls. So that process of forgiving somebody in the past, to and they created this lifetime so you can forgive them from a past deed, but it, you know, you have a lot of the same similar circumstances as the last life. Yeah. But the other thing they have to remember is that they set it up that way. Okay. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, which is the, the, the life between life, uh, subject matter. Um, in that you plan your, your life and you look at some of the karma from a previous life. And I did another research project about that. And some people were carrying karma with them that happened a thousand years ago. So it wasn't like it was the immediate previous life to this one. They, they, they decided in that pre-life planning session, while you're still in spirit, when you're in the afterlife and you're working with the uh, your guides and the council of elders and, you know, uh, to, to map out, what do I want my next life to look like? What do I need to work on? And so they sort of have your report cards in front of them to see how you've done and the classes you've taken on earth. And they go, oh, you know what? You didn't pass that, that whole, you took that class on abandonment and you didn't pass it. So you're gonna have to try that one again. And so members of your soul family, now these are souls that have traveled with you from the beginning of time but they change gender and they change roles. So in other words, your mother in this life could have been your husband in a previous life. Wow. It's the same group of souls, it's a pod. Yeah. And we know each other on the most intimate level. And our goal is to help each other out while we're helping ourselves out, right? So, you know, you'd say to your, you're planning this life and you're going, you know, I'm gonna work on abandonment. And so certain members of your soul family are gonna say, I'm going to come in with you and I'm going to come in and as your husband, you, you're going to be female. I'm going to be a male. I'll be your husband. And at some point in time, I'm going to abandon you. 
Why? Because that's a because they're bringing they're bringing that issue that you that you said you wanted to work on to the surface, right? Yeah. Because they're putting it in your face so that you can work. And now that doesn't. Um, and I'm saying, oh, that gives them a clean slate, and that it's okay for them to be abusive of you. No, no, not by any means. But they're they're helping you, and they're doing it out of love. Believe it or not, I mean, it's hard to believe when you're in the middle of. You know, yeah, your muck. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, uh, and that helps you to forgive them because you know, they, they loved me so much that they abandoned me. <laughs> you know? It doesn't, it doesn't make any sense in, 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 in physical terms, right. No. In, in being in a, in a physical body, but from a spiritual perspective, it, it makes perfect sense that, that it's very logical the way, the way all of that works out. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I've heard so many stories about, you know, people saying they were tricked into coming here from yeah. their counsel and their guides. Uh, yeah. And it's like, I can't believe I'm here again. I can't believe. And I always hear from a lot of my friends, like, if I only knew about this lifetime, I wouldn't have signed up for this one. I want to redo. And basically, a lot of times, that's what karma is. It's just a, re a redo again a redo. of your life. Yeah, it's like Casey said, um, it's meeting self. If you if you look in the Edgar Casey readings, he uses that phrase over and over again to meet self. So we're we're constantly being you know um, uh, we're looking at the things that we did that that are now affecting us. So you know when we're talking about um, physical conditions, people like a lot of people that are obese, they could have been that they made fun of obese people before, or they could have starved to death in a previous life. And now they can't get enough, you know, but once you understand that you can stop that pattern because that's all it is. It's just a pattern that we repeat over and over until we resolve it. So it's like going to school, you know, you sign up for certain lessons. Once you pass the class, guess what? You don't have to do it again. It's, that's it. It goes into your positive karmic bank account. So you can pull on that experience anytime you want. But if you don't pass the test, if you don't pass the class, then you have to repeat it. And then it comes up again and again and again until you can figure it out. That's one of the things about past life work that I think is so effective because most people, unlike traditional psychotherapy, with most people will only need one session because wow, then they're, that they're profound. Getting, wow. Yeah. I mean, they could have more if they want. I mean, I'm not going to put myself out of business. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but most, uh, many. People, most people will just just have that one, they'll get their aha moment, their life will be changed and that's it, then they're off. Uh, others will wanna visit other lifetimes or they'll wanna dig deeper into, uh, into a particular past life. Uh, and they may, they may want, but I have very seldom had repeat customers, believe me. It's mostly just once and then they're there, unless they wanna try something else. In other words, they might want a traditional regression. They might want one that has the soul writing attached to it. They might want the physical karma one, or they might want the pre-life planning session. So it just depends on what their needs are. Um, but they all get answers at the end of it. Uh, even if they don't see it, uh, I see it very clearly. I can see the patterns very, very clearly. And so we do take a look at, well, what do you have in common with, with this, the person you were before? You know, who from that life are in your life now and why? What are they doing in your life now? Yeah. You know? So, yeah. So speaking of that, I'm sorry to interrupt you. Oh, no. So how do you know when people from your past lives are, are with you in this lifetime? Well, you could usually recognize them. Um, I've had several people from my past life in, in this lifetime. 
Sometimes it's a blessing, sometimes it's a curse. Uh, depends on, on what you're working on together. Um, I, I think you don't even really need the mindset of I believe in reincarnation because sometimes you'll just get a feeling. You know, I tell people, feel out the essence of that person's soul. Look at, don't look at their out exterior. Don't look at their body. Don't look at whether they're female or male or whatever. If you look directly into the eyes, the eyes are the windows to the soul, as Shakespeare said. That's true. The eyes do not change from lifetime to lifetime. The body does. But the eyes pretty much remain the same. So you could recognize people if you have that sensitivity and you have that desire uh, to, to feel them out. You know, you'll say, you'd have to know almost about a past life because you'd say, oh, that person feels like Johnny from my previous lifetime or something like that. But even, even, even if that isn't the case, if you've experienced a deja vu feeling with these people, uh, that's often a, a sign that you've been together before. Yeah. Now I just got a quick question. Now we usually incarnate with our soul group. So we have our soul pod, the, the individual souls. We have. Now, do we have an, um, an, a, you know, an extended family of that, that are also oh, helping yeah. us as well? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It, um, you have the, the nuclear group that's together, but then you have new souls kind of coming in and out. Like for instance, my mother, this was the first time we were incarnated together. And when I asked uh, after she passed, I, I wanted to find out why. And uh, I was told that she felt like um, she just wanted to see what it would be like to be my mother. And so, uh, but yet my father, I recognized him for many, many lifetimes. So sometimes we come as a, a package deal. So it's like, you know, you choose your parents and you may have a connection to the one parent, but not the other, but because they're together, you know, you have, you work things through with both of them. Um, yeah. So people on the periphery, like friends, colleagues at work, teachers, um, people who come into your life, they make a profound difference in your life. They may maybe help you to change your perspective on something and then they leave. Yeah. Um, so they, they are, you know, um, they're not all here for the long haul. Some of them just come in and out, do what they need to do, help you, whatever, however they need to help you. And then, because they have work on their own soul's growth as well. So you're playing a role in their life. They're playing a role in your life. When the, when the role is over, sometimes, you know, they exit and, um, and then new souls come in new souls come in and all of that. Is it constantly evolving too as well? I know we, uh, there's a lot of talk about free will and choice. You know, we, we definitely choose a lot of the experiences, which is for a lot of us, we're like painfully going, oh, really? I chose this? Like, come yeah. on, like, yeah. why would the hell would I choose yeah. this? Yeah. This is terrible. But a lot of it is choice. But so how much is taken into account our free will and choice when we've done all this planning? We set up this circumstances. We, we choose the parents, unfortunately. Um, but a lot of times, um, how does free will kind of move into this? Well, I'll, I'll give you a really good example. Yeah, and please it, do. It's from my last book, um, Edgar Casey and the Unfulfilled Destiny of Thomas Jefferson Reborn. Casey did a reading on a two-day-old baby boy in June of 1936 and said that that, that soul that was in that baby was had been Thomas Jefferson and Alexander the Great 
What? Two famous past lives, right? And one saw this like a two-year-old baby. Two-day-old baby. Two-day-old baby. Two-day-old baby. Oh, wow. And so he, in the reading, he told uh, his parents that this soul could do for the world what Thomas Jefferson did for this country. Now lay that on a two-day-old baby. Jeez, I mean, even their parents, like, just hearing well, that. And, and, and Casey gave his parents very specific directions on how to raise this child in yeah. order for that soul to be able to do what he, he said he could do. They chose to ignore all of Casey's recommendations. Wow. And, and all the readings, they just ignored them. And consequently, the choices that his parents made put this child on a completely different track, different trajectory than what Mr. Casey had predicted for him. And so there's a, there's a very massive case of, of free will. So his, because he couldn't make those decisions himself. Mr. Casey died when TJ was um, eight and a half years old. Oh, really? Wow. But for those first eight and a half years, he was mostly at the Casey compound at the Casey home. And Mr. Casey was um, tutoring him. Wow, what they, a tutor they go out of, Really? What <laughs> child gets that kind of an education? Oh my you God. Know, they'd go out on the pier fishing and Mr. Casey would talk to him about reincarnation. He talked to him about uh, karma. He would talk to him about how to read auras. Uh, and TJ some of the things he saw as a child growing up in the Casey home were absolutely astounding. Um, now he thought that was normal, that all kids lived that way. And of course he of course. found out that, that he did. Now yeah, Casey yeah. said he was gonna give TJ a second life reading when he was 13 years old, but Mr. Casey died prematurely. And I say prematurely because I just wish we had him a little longer than we did. Yeah, uh, I hear you. And, um, and so he didn't get that second reading and he was kind of tossed from pillar to post and uh, did not fulfill the, 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 uh, the reading. Although I think that that reading had more to do about the Casey work than it did about any kind of globe, political global initiative where Thomas Jefferson was concerned. So here's the interesting part about it is that yeah. TJ lives, is still alive. He's 85 years old. Oh, really? He lives here in Charlottesville, Virginia. Uh, and um, uh, which is Thomas Jefferson's home, by the way, for those historians <laughs> out there who don't know that or non-historians <laughs> who don't know that. Well, you do uh, now. You do now. So See you... there? Come to Charlottesville. I'll show you around. Um, yeah. And um there were throughout the book, I give, I give uh, examples of how he, as a child, remembered the Jefferson life. He's never had a regression. So uh, oh, I've really? offered, yes, I've offered to do them over and over again, but he keeps saying no. Um, the Alexander the Great lifetime, he's uh, not too happy about that one. He said, I don't think there's anything great about a man who goes around killing people. So he was not happy about that life. The Jefferson life, when he was three years old, he went up to Mr. Casey and started reciting the Declaration of Independence and told Mr. Casey that he wrote it. And, uh, wow. you know, there's stories like that all through the book that I think are fascinating. But, you know, for years, he's been um, really uh, not, um, not well liked. 
uh, among uh, some of the Casey people because of the fact that they feel like, wow, you had this opportunity, you had this chance to really change our world and you didn't do it. You became this, he, he kind of became like a hippie, you know, kind of a, a vagabond in a way. Yeah. Uh, never had a, a, a decent job. Um, yeah, you know, so, so people look down on him because he didn't fulfill that prophecy. And yet my purpose in writing the book was to show why he didn't, yeah. that there was free will involved in all of this. So, you know, here's a case where free will can make a massive difference in the outcome of a person's life and in the world. Um, so yeah, that we can have all the plans we, we have in the world, you know, have it all in place. That's why I called the book um, on my, the book I wrote about my pre-life, about the pre-life planning session, I called it, I did it to myself again, <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> because so we, poignant. we do it, we did it, we do it to ourselves, you know? So it's like, you know, I know I'm laughing about it, but it's not yeah. funny <laughs> when you're in the middle of it. Yeah, of course. Uh, and I, I mean, I, I have my own ex personal examples of that, but we all do. So, um, but yeah, free will is very much, and I told TJ many times, I said, you know, it was one thing to say, oh, yeah, I was a kid and I couldn't make those decisions for myself. It's another thing when you turned 18, you really could have said, you know, Mr. Casey wanted me to study this or he wanted me to do this or whatever. I, I'm going to I'm going to follow that course. And of course, he didn't. So, yeah, a lot of that is on his shoulders. Yeah. Like, you know, do you think he might have been the person he was supposed to be? If he didn't have the reading, if he didn't have that life reading, that that information wasn't there. Who knows? Who knows? I, I don't know. Um, I mean, that's a I mean, that's a huge like, I mean, to put that on us, somebody at that age and to be have that type of responsibility. Yeah, his parents were um, didn't really want him as they were. They were both alcoholics and gamblers. Oh, um, nice choice of those family. <laughs> well, see, he he see he chose them because he wanted to live with Mr. Casey, and as a soul looking down on Earth and trying to make plan this his entrance, he he said I couldn't I couldn't come in as Casey's child because they were too old to have children, so I thought well, I, and I, he says I couldn't come in through Gladys Davis, who is Edgar Casey's secretary. I couldn't come in through Gladys because she wasn't married or having any children. So, aha, genius plan. I'll come in through Gladys's brother and his wife. They won't want me. And because they won't want me, they'll give me to Gladys. And then Gladys will get me to Mr. Casey. Oh my so, gosh. Yeah, that's, it was, it was really ingenious and it worked. It absolutely wow. worked. So yeah. Wouldn't there be a possibility if he's doing this pre-life planning now, as far as the pre-life planning, is there a certain time frame where you're supposed to be on the other side? Or can you just kind of just turn around? Like, couldn't you have reincarnated a little bit earlier? Maybe? Um, yeah, I suppose it's usually, my research has shown that in earth years, it's between 50 and 200 years between lives, unless, okay. it's, unless it's a suicide or unless you've been uh, prematurely uh, if your life is ended prematurely, like through a war or a murder or something like that. Um, yeah. He says that by the time, you know, there's no, there's no time in spirit. Yeah. And so he said, by the time he looked in on Mr. Casey, he was already older and not having any more to his children were grown. 
Uh, and so he thought, oh, I've got to get in there. How am I going to get in there? <laughs> so I'll come up with this plan. And that's that's basically what he did. Wow. That is genius. Yeah, man. I mean, hey, what's Thomas Jefferson? And you yeah, know, right. I mean, we have wow. a lot of, by the way, we have a lot of Thomas Jefferson's in Charlottesville. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, that's the thing about reincarnation. You know, there's a lot of people who claim to be somebody famous. Yeah. So you've got a lot of Cleopatra's running around, a lot of Napoleons, you know, obviously, yeah. you know. Yeah, they have the they have the syndrome, I should say, but not yeah. really that. So how do you like how would you distinguish between would the actual person actually have to have done a regression to find out? I know a lot of people we joke about it. It's like, oh, I was a past life of this. So would you actually have to regress in that? And have you found cases where you've had other people who were so-called famous uh uh, history people in your studies? Yeah, um, a few. Um, uh, Stonewall Jackson, uh, Stonewall Jackson uh, is one of the ones that are, you know, I, I, when I do a regression with people, I don't negate anything that they say or any of their experiences. Um, but sometimes um, somebody will say something to me and it's just wishful thinking on their part. In other words, I had a woman who came to me and said she was Patrick Henry in a previous life. I said, really, why do you say you're Patrick Henry? She said, because he was a good talker and so am I. <laughs> and just based on that alone, she convinced herself that she was Patrick Henry. Yeah. There's a lot more to it than that. Most people who truly were somebody famous are incredibly humble people. They don't go around bragging about it. They really yeah. don't. Um, so uh, I have not really met a lot of people that had famous past lives, but that doesn't mean that, I mean, all those souls who had a famous past life, they have to come back too. You know, it's like Casey said, well, in some lives you've gained, the soul has gained, and in some, in some lives it's lost. So it's like an up and down thing. It's not a straight trajectory up. So if you're somebody really famous in one past life, does not necessarily mean you're going to be somebody famous again and again and again. Uh, even in Casey's case, he was Rata, you know, that Egyptian priest, and then he became Bainbridge, the riverboat gambler. So, um, so we all have had maybe a brush against somebody famous. Like I'll tell people if they think they're Napoleon, I'll say, are you sitting atop the horse looking out at the crowd? Or are you in the crowd looking at a man on top of a horse? That's in, mm -hmm. you know, because sometimes if you've just been in the vicinity of somebody famous, you sort of take on that aura and oh, then wow. it becomes yours. You know, you convince yourself regression is the best way to definitively say now a lot of people have um you know you could do it through resonance if you resonate to a certain time period certain culture certain music if you put all those pieces together you can do that without hypnosis you could paint a psychological profile and it might match up with somebody uh that's famous or you might be having dreams yeah. about that or it may come in in any any sort of way but i still feel that the best way is through regression and regression. Um, and, and be cautious about going to readers who 
will say to you, oh, in your past life, you were so-and-so because they're, they're getting the info. I'm not sure where they're getting their information from, but in some cases it's, it's coming in filtered. Yeah, of course. It's coming in through their consciousness as well. So that I, you know, like Casey said, all answers lie within. So for me, the best source is your own soul because your own soul is not going to lie to you. Exactly. You know, it's going to tell you the good, the bad, or the ugly. <laughs> yeah, of course. And that's always about knowing thyself, right? It's yeah. always about going in. All the answers are within, right. which is, uh, which is a, wow, that's a really fascinating story. Uh, wow. Like, I mean, I'm just trying to think about that. Now, do you remember, I mean, obviously, have you, you've probably done your own work on your past lives. Where are some of the two? I mean, you probably had how many lives have you had? Do you remember how many lives you've had been here? No, I've been told I had 150, but I don't remember 150. I remember a handful of them only. Yeah. Uh, and some of them are, um, you know, I choose not to talk about. Uh, and others, um, you know, most people are just Jane Doe's and, and John Smith's. And, um, you know, I remember a Native American life, which was quite beautiful. Uh, I remember a life um, in early, uh, sometime in early France. Um, I remember actually a, a caveman type of, of life uh, and one in Jamestown and uh, another one in the 18th century later uh, here in Virginia which is why I moved to Virginia, chasing a past life. Um, and um, yeah, so those are just some, uh, and I, I really believe that for a past life therapist to be worth his or her weight in gold, they should work on their own past lives. Oh yeah, I think that yeah. includes anybody who's a therapist or does any type of modalities. You yeah. have to make sure that you're healthy and healed first to, to fully right. understand what's going on exactly. with your patients. Yeah. So one of the things, um, you know, I've heard, is, you know, talk about memory triggers and uh, mm -hmm. or what they call bleed throughs where you get like a, a past memory bleed through coming through, like it could be like doing something or you're actually in a place, let's say you happen to travel to France. And all of a sudden, all these memories start flooding yes. through. Have you had uh, people come to you where they had these memories where they've traveled somewhere or are they just obsessed with the, the Chinese culture and they can't figure out, you know, why they're obsessed with, you know, uh, this specific period in China uh, at the certain time? Yeah, they don't come with that in mind, but when they discover it, then it all clicks. Oh, no mm -hmm. wonder. You know, some people oh. like to go to the same place over and over on vacation every year and they don't know why, you know, okay. um, for me, when I was in college, I majored in um, 18th century American history just because I loved it. And I had a professor say to me, you have the most uncanny feel for the 18th century of any student I've ever had. And I thought, yeah, I do, don't I? <laughs> and so when I graduated, I, I came to uh Richmond, Virginia, and I was going to work my way up to Boston and just up the Eastern seaboard, <coughs> visit all those places I had this uncanny feel for. Yeah. And uh, that only made me go deeper into the fact that I did in fact have uh, a past life here because I had an emotional reaction when I came to Virginia. Wow. I was born and raised in Chicago. I mean, you know, spent all my life in the city and I, I kept thinking, what am I doing here? You know, that's why I feel right now. Do you really? Yeah, yeah, I do that. I'm living in the city of Toronto and uh, I'm feeling like, what am I doing here? I know. I just so want to leave. Do you recommend people if they kind of have an inkling uh, about their past lives or something like that? Do you have a, 
you know, what do you think maybe you should go to one of those places to see if it, do you recommend that? Or do you think maybe you should kind of like, yeah, maybe not go there. You can, but be, be warned that it can be extremely emotional uh, for okay. you to do that. Um, I had an emotional response when I first came to Virginia and I was only 21 at the time and I thought I was going to die. I was having uh, heart palpitations and couldn't catch my breath and wow. uh, uh, a really big um, experience. Um, I know I've read some books where people have gone, Betty Riley, for instance, wrote a book called A Veil Too Thin, Reincarnation Out of Control. And she was uh, a beggar woman in 16th century England, died in the um, fire of London or whatever it was called, I forgot. But she went, she went to London and, and boy, did she have an experience there. So some people have written about that, about actually going to that, the, the place because you know there are ley lines in the earth and we when uh the way it's been explained to me i'm not an expert in this is that we deposit our energy emotional energy into those ley lines so that if by chance so say that you were so distraught you were just you know uh, uh just i don't know how to explain it you were just in grief and you know, you took a walk and you're crying and all this energy, all this, this grief is pouring into the earth. If you by any chance in another lifetime, if you're sensitive to this, you walk across that, you know, that same area that you had, you can actually pick that up. I did that. Wow. Really? And, uh, and you can re you could re experience that emotion and not know why that's the thing about it. You know, I don't know, why would I be sobbing? There's no reason for me to be sobbing. There's nothing here that would make me sad. I've never been here before. Well, yeah, you have, and, and you're picking up on that emotion that you left behind. So, um, so it can be somewhat disconcerting if you're not prepared for it, but if it happens, then I would say, you know, have a regression to get the details, to okay. fill in the blanks, you know, so that you can understand uh, what happened then and how it's affecting you now. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You know, another thing I was always interested too, as well, could you do a past life regression and somehow release a latent talent that you didn't have? Um, I have not had anybody do that. But I suspect that, yes, that's very possible. Yeah. You know, you know, when you see, um, you know, little children who like they'll play the piano effortlessly at age three and you'll go, oh, that's an old soul. Well, no, there's no such thing as an old soul, by the way, Michael. Uh, <laughs> um, we all we all created at the same time. <laughs> what that means is that that little soul is re is the memory from that past life is bubbling up and it could have been a fame. It could have been Mozart. Don't know. Uh, you know, so a child prodigy many times is expressing the talent that they had as adults in, in a, another lifetime. Then they just brought it in with them. So there are people that are really good with numbers or people that are really good with, with craftsmanship, with carpentry or making furniture or something like that or writers, especially, or composers, you know, this is something you've done before. 
as I mentioned earlier in our chat, you know, this is in your positive karmic bank account. You could pull up, pull on that talent and ability anytime you want, because it's always there. You, you don't lose that. Once you, once you gain it, you don't lose it. So, lose it, yeah. so yeah. So how do you um, keep filling that positive bank account? How do we keep doing, you know, we want to make sure what, you know, as we grow and develop as humans, you know, part of the journey is learning and stuff like that. And, you know, we've all done stupid stuff over the lifetimes and, you know, to say it politely. Um, so how do we make sure that we continue to fill that positive bank account? I mean, we're living in an age where it's just so nutty now, like it's yeah. just craziness. So how would we basically, you know what, I'm not going to be and be a part of this. I'm going to make sure that I take my own personal responsibility, my own soul's growth and be it in a positive way and add to that bank account. So just in case I had to come back, that it's really full and yeah. I don't have to worry about that kind of karmic, you know, repeating some patterns again. Yeah. Well, you just said it. That's exactly how you do it. You finish what you don't run away from issues that are plaguing you work through them, push through them, get them behind you because once they're behind you, you don't have to deal with them again. Okay. If you learn a skill or ability in this lifetime, you know, Learn it to the, to the max that you can. Be your best. Be the best you can be in this lifetime. Uh, you know, if it's healing abilities that you have, uh, but you're too afraid to pursue them. I have a lot of healers come to me and they're yeah. like, I know I'm supposed to be healing, but I don't, I can't do it. I just can't do it. Well, turns out, turns out that when we do the regression, they were persecuted when they were healers, yeah. they were either tortured or they were killed. And when we do the regression, you can see them that they're like, if they're in the, in the forest gathering herbs, they're always looking over their shoulder because they're afraid somebody's going to grab them, you know, and then chop off their head or burn them at the stake or something. Uh, that subconscious memory is affecting them today. And they're not able to push through it in order to do the healing that they are so uniquely talented to do. That's a God-given divine gift that they have. Uh, but there's that block yeah. from that memory. I think pushing through those blocks, recognizing them as blocks, pushing through them, doing whatever healing and, and mostly forgiveness work that you can, forgiving yourself as well as others. Yes. Uh, that that'll put that that'll push that right into that positive bank account of yours and and you'll be able to next time let next lifetime when you want to go do some healing you'll be able to do it without even blinking an eye yeah i know that's so important i know myself i you know last couple of years with covid and everything else yeah. um you know really made me kind of push out of my comfort zone like to uh, so i i always keep saying that i came out of like the the psychic closet and i never I mean, I, I used my psychic abilities uh, off and on, but I never really kind of went out and said, yeah, hey, by the way, this is what I do. You know, I talk to dead people. All right. That's that's <laughs> yeah. kind of what that's kind of what I do. Yeah. And um, it was a struggle for the longest time. It was the longest time to to say that I work with spirit. And but I had certain I had two like I'll talk you know briefly about two lives that I was uh, aware of. A friend of mine uh, did a reading for me. And one was, I was the, uh, a priest in Sicily. Mm -hmm. And then the other one was, I was the surgeon in Chile who decided to leave the surgical practice to work on 
the ability for people to be healed using their minds. And I went to psychology and it's funny that a lot of the stuff that I do now mm-hmm. is very, very similar to what I do. And the whole persecution is I, like you talked about that. I felt that I could not get, I would never say what I was doing. I didn't talk about these certain practices. I was so afraid about that. And I couldn't do that. And, and it really plagued me. And I was like, and my friend re- reminded me, it was like, oh, by the way, do you know that you were persecuted and you were laughed at? And that's the thing. People still were laughing at me. They, oh, you're, you're not a psychic. What are you talking about? You know what I mean? And I, that fear took me a long time, but it wasn't, you know, until I had that kind of COVID push to kind of get like, oh, yeah. Hey, you, you know, the universe is saying, Hey, you want to do this? Do you want to do this? Let's push you towards it. And uh, it was like, all right, let's shit or get off the pot and let's yeah, do it. Yeah, exactly. You know? COVID did that to a lot of us, I think. Yeah. 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 Which, you know, was a kind of a blessing in disguise, but uh, yeah, yeah, it was so amazing. And I was very grateful for that, that understanding of it and just to push through it. And yeah, because it could be, it could be very lonely. Yes. And yeah. it was, and that's, yeah. and that was another thing you talked about abandonment. I, I had abandonment issues. I had, yeah. I, I signed up for a lot of stuff. I realized, you know, another brave one, soul that you are. Yeah. I don't know if I was braver, just like an idiot, like one or the other. I was like, well, dang, like, what did I sign up for? Oh my gosh. Um, how about going forward after this lifetime? Can you basically, I know you've talked about the life in between life. Can we kind of do a pre-life planning for the next life? Well, I tell people to be careful what their last thoughts are when they're dying, because oh, really? that sets up the next life. Yeah. Wow. I, I have. A, I had a woman come uh, to me with head to toe psoriasis. I don't know if you heard me tell this story. No. Uh, and she wanted to know where it came from. And we went to her past life. She was a call girl in the old West. And when at the moment of death, I said, what were your last thoughts as your soul was transitioning out of your body into spirit? She said, I don't want to be touched anymore. So Mm. in the next lifetime, she manifests a skin condition in which nobody wants to touch Touch her. her. Wow. Uh, I've done some progression appointments. I don't like doing them because again, we've got free will and any you know, anything goes. So um, I've only done a handful of those because most people don't ask for that. And uh, like I said, I'd rather, I'd rather you dealt with the here and now and, yeah. and uh, you can work on your next life uh, when you're in that pre-life planning session. But yeah, that's one of the things that I tell people, watch what you, <laughs> watch what you ask for at that moment. Not that all of us are going to remember. <laughs> Oh, I remember I'm dying. Joanne said, I better think about what I need to, to be in the next lifetime. Cause I've got mine all mine's already ordered what I want. Yeah. <laughs> so, I think I, yeah. I, I think we're all doing that now. It's like, yeah. okay, I don't want to do this. Yeah. If I have to choose the same parents, can we just try and maybe change a little bit of my parents? Yeah. Uh, you know, my brothers. Probably won't. Yeah. 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 It just depends what's going on. Like, yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh. Yeah. Yeah. I always find that, you know, once you realize that you have more choice than, than being a victim, it really yeah. played out. Um, I know it's helped me a lot. Um, just to know that, you know, why all this shit happened to me all the time. And that was one of the things I struggled with. There's so many things that happened in my life. You know, um, there are a lot of, there were some good points, but a lot of just crazy crap that happened in my life. And I always kind of figure out why, yeah. this was happening and just through like that. So with, um, with a regression, it's basically, you're talking about 
you're doing a little bit of hypnotherapy, right? You're getting people back into that subconscious mind. Is that how it works? Yeah, yeah. We do some guided imagery, a lot of relaxation, uh, deep breathing. Uh, I relax one part of your body at a time. Say a prayer of protection, surround them with white light. Don't work with spirit without that. Uh, and then lead them through a rather long relaxation induction kind of period where I get them deeper and deeper and deeper. This is where most people have the problem of letting go. And so I work with them uh, and use a visual of going into a forest, going across a bridge, and then on the other side of the bridge, they're in, in that lifetime again. So they're inhabiting that body. So then we take a look at uh, identifying them in terms of what do they look like? Uh, what's their name? What year is it? Where are they geographically on, on the planet? Um, and uh, then I have them scan that life, tell me the one thing that happened that was so significant, it made an imprint on their soul and they brought it in with them. So they, that's where they find out what that karmic issue is. They tell me their story, stay with it as long as they want. Uh, then we go to their death. Um, and then the questions that I mentioned that, you know, that I ask, you know, what were your last thoughts as your soul left your body? Who from that life is in your life now and why? Uh, and then do you have any behavior patterns or are there any parallels between your current life and that life? Because you need to make the connection between the two uh, in order for you to get that aha moment. Uh, and so at, at that point, then if they decide that, that that's it, they've had enough, then I bring them back to full consciousness. Some of them want to go deeper. And so we'll do the soul writing, which is a written okay. form of meditation. Uh, and that usually fills in the blanks for them. Uh, and then, then they come back. If we do the physical karma, we do that a little differently. We start out with doing a body scan to find out if there's any birthmarks or sensitivity or discomfort in their bot current body and make a note of that. Um, because, you know, the birthmarks, Dr. Ian Stevenson did a big study on that. The birthmarks are often the sign of a past life wound. Oh, really? Of some sort. Yeah. Uh, and so we, we scan for that. Uh, <clears throat> then we do the traditional regression, uh, but it's geared toward going to that life in which whatever a condition they're dealing with now first arose. Uh, and then we do a lot of healing and forgiveness work with that particular regression and then add the soul writing. And then the life between lives, we go to the past life impacting them now, take them, uh, bring them back into their current life, back them up so that they're in the afterlife, so that you're in the afterlife right before you were conceived in this life. Okay. So you're in spirit before you become uh, in this life. And we look at um, all the planning session. We look at your session with the council of elders. We list your karmic issues, your karmic attributes. We define your soul's mission. We say, why did you pick your parents? You know, which members of your soul family came in with you? What are your memory triggers and why did you pick the body you have? So it's a lot. Those are like wow. three hour sessions. They're, they're very in depth. That's really in depth. Wow. Yeah. And then I give everyone a uh, written transcript of your session. Yeah. I do all my sessions now. Um, since COVID, I've learned to do them on Zoom, and they're actually more successful on Zoom than they were when I had an office and people were coming. And that's because people are very comfortable in their own home. 
Yeah, so that when I, I go to do, yeah, when I go to do the relaxation, they're in their own bed or they're in their own, you know, easy chair or they're in whatever. their pajamas and yeah, you know, and they, they don't have that anxiety of driving to an office where they don't really know where they're going, uh, you know, and they can control their environment better. So it actually has been, um, it's been a godsend to learn to do it on Zoom. And I'm now, now I have a global audience. So I don't have to just be the people who live in the, Charlottesville, Virginia area. Yeah. So oh, that's, uh, yeah. that's so profound. That's so amazing. Well, I know you've had a global audience for a while. I mean, you've written so many books. I mean, <laughs> you, it seems like you're on everybody's podcast except mine, but now you are. Thank you. There you go. <laughs> yeah. And I'm so happy about that. Um, yeah. It's amazing the work you've done and it Thank just you. continues to just kind of grow and I'm so happy for it. And it's just such an amazing, amazing thing. So that being said, Joanne, we're almost out of time. I see that. So wow. what happens when you're having fun. <laughs> I know. I, I mean, you know, I do this like 50 minutes because I figured, you know, most people have 50 minutes. I would love to get to the point where I could sit there and talk to you for an hour and a half because I probably could talk to you for an hour and a half or I'm even sure more. We could, yeah. Just yap, yeah. yap, 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 yeah. whatever. I, I really appreciate it. But that being said, Joanne, if people are listening to my podcast and they're either watching the video on YouTube mm -hmm. and they want to have a past life regression, they want to do some soul writing, which I highly recommend. Uh, where can they find you? They can find me on my website. It's joannedimaggio.com, J-O-A-N-N-E-D-I-M-A-G-G-I-O.com. Uh, you can actually uh, read about the different sessions that I offer, select one, and then go on my online calendar, pick a day and time that's convenient for you and, and book it that way. Yeah. And I checked out the website and your prices are really reasonable for what you offer. Like Thank considering you. who you are and what you do, like, yeah, it's, it's well worth it. And just knowing that information you're going to get is going to be life-changing. It's, it's so amazing, but I'll have all that information below. So if you guys are watching this, or if you're listening, just check out the description below. Like I always say, just scroll down just a little bit on YouTube or on the, uh, on the podcast there. And I'll have Joanne's information there. So you can uh, click on the uh, website and find that. So that being said, Joanne, thank you so much. Thank you, Michael. I've enjoyed every moment of it. Thank you so much. Yeah, I just, I love your energy. It was just absolutely beautiful. And I'm just going to close off the podcast. So this has been the Metaphysical Mentor Podcast with Michael Philpott. Thank you so much for joining me and goodbye for now.